0: Darkness falls across the land The fingering hour is close at hand In crawls the bars in search of plunge, A hairy spam wallet in which to plunge And movies beloved shall be bummed Without remorse, nostalgia is thumbed And listener thieves will have no luck as the Basics hails, get to fuck. The whiskey will flow on each review. As classic films are watched anew. Week one has a house, a gimp and a gun. It's like the bazi's abode minus the bum fun. Week two has a haunting from a burial ground. A Tobe Steve Spiel, Hooper production all round. Week three is a portrait of a serial killer. <laughs> the Baz can't wait to consume this thriller. thriller,
1: thriller,
0: thriller, thriller. <laughs> Week four is the King Tale of Salem's Lot. The Baz could be divorced for the Blu-ray he's bought. And to close out the series on Duncan's hysteria, while he listens to the Baz sodomize Hesperia. So strip off, bend over, and assume the position. As the Baz christens your new October tradition, remember, put down the gist-proof polythene. And welcome, dear listeners, to Bazelwee. This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. and welcome to the podcast, Under the Stairs. This, ladies and gents, is Basilween, episode number five, the final instalment of our five-part series this October 2018. Oh, it's over already. Can you believe it? We're at the end of the month already, which means we have already turned our attention to four beloved genre classics, but put a different view on them, living vicariously through the viewing of the Baz. We have looked at the people under the stairs in week one. Week two, we looked at Poltergeist. In week three, it was Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And Last week, we looked at Toby Hooper's Salem's Lot, which means, which means, The inevitable has happened. The one movie review that I have been most looking forward to and at the same time the movie I have been least looking forward to out of every movie review I have ever done with my guest here in the entire run of Baz V Horror is of course the last movie. We are turning our attention to 1977's Suspiria. Oh, that's right. One of the most important movies in the horror genre. But as much as I love it, and I almost guarantee 99% of people listening to this episode love it, it's not our words that you will hear on this episode. Rather, it'll be the words of the man whose name christens these sub shows. And of course, the man, the myth. The legend, the Baz. Buongiorno,
2: mein sexy Bazawine Liebchen.
0: <laughs> oh, <right>. oh, hello.
2: <laughs> that there, Duncan, sir. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Is my homage to Italian films set in Germany. What was most interesting about it is, had you been able to see me, and had you been able to lip read, my mouth would have been saying "fuck Italian genre cinema." Oh no. Oh, and this doesn't bode well already. Ah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I don't, I don't that know. there is a little nod to the shite dubbing in these movies as well. And, and actually, the, weirdly
0: enough, watching this movie again tonight, um, it's weird how some of the dubbing is not great and some of it's spot on. And I'm like that. Like, why didn't you just do all that? But we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into. Let's not jump the gun here. Let's not jump the gun. But as this is your final episode, can you believe? that we are
2: at the end of your series already. We wee sir. What a month. I know. What a month of films, I've got to say. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a very different Halloween this year, Dunk, um, compared to what we've done previous years, mostly just in terms of the number of films, but I like to think that we um, we dug a little deeper, and we got a little more cerebral oh. uh, this year. Uh, with the old Basil in terms of the, the, the films we tackled kind of thing uh, it was less of the shock factor kind of thing that we were aiming for, it wasn't so much about scaring me, it was more about educating me and filling the gaps in my knowledge and I think we, I think we managed that quite well I've got to say
0: Yeah there was no in memoriams or Bad Banes in this
2: Fuck condition. Bad Bane <laughs> Fuck that guy yeah. Fuck that tiny wee weird seller guy we we, th- we had none of none of that this year. It's
0: been quality after quality, uh, which is kind of which is kind of made me happy. Uh, what I have loved is the the fact that people have once again joined us for the journey, um, and submitted in their one line reviews of Suspiria, which we will get to at the start and at the end of the movie review upcoming. Now, 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 Baz. Um, knowing that we have run the train on a a five-week selection of movies that you have picked Um, taking into account having watched them all now and not knowing where we stand in Suspiria although I can take a really good guess um, and I'm prepared to be shocked but I think I know where we're landing with this one Um, with all that in mind is there any regrets in your selection? Uh, is there anything you with hindsight now would have swapped out for something else or are you in a position where you're like you know what? I did all right. There is, there's,
2: there's nothing that I regret because I, I really did want to see all five films that I picked. They're, they're ones that I, you know, felt I needed to see um, and had a genuine yearning to see. Quite a few of them didn't turn out to be maybe the films that I was hoping they would be mm-hmm. or they were, they were quite different from what I was expecting but I don't think I would change anything because if I changed anything I'd still just be wanting to see them yeah yeah. do you know what I mean Um, Salem's Law I found over long and you know could have been compacted doing into 90 minutes of a fairly decent vampire movie and I just thought it's far too long I would still be laboring under the apprehension that Salem's Lot was an hour and a half long film, Yeah, you know what I mean, if I hadn't watched it, so no, there's nothing I would change, these are the kind of films that I want to be seeing um, excuse me folks, I am fucking loaded with the cold in case nobody's picked up in this yep. um, yeah, these are the films I was wanting to watch um, and I'm really glad uh, that I have, uh, without giving it in the away about this episode um, after my first watching of Suspiria a tweet, I think I sent it out from my own account, was, um, you know, you can now officially call me somebody that has seen Suspiria. Yep. And I think I made a glib comment about adding it onto my CV. Yep. Um, You know, and it's... I like to be able to join in conversations about these kind of things, you know, and these films do get talked a lot, and I'm like, I've not seen that. And I'm kind of getting sick and embarrassed of saying that now, after all these fucking years. Yeah, well, I think
0: think the thing is as well... it's weird there's an, on, an ongoing joke um, out there in the kind of horror community um, when I say ongoing joke it's shared by about me and about three other people um, about <laughs> about how Suspiria is sometimes referenced as you know well this is how you find it if you're really a dedicated hardcore horror fan because you've seen Suspiria and that's bollocks I mean if you're a horror fan worth their salt You've heard of Dario Argento, and if you've if you went out to try and seek Dario Argento movies, you've seen Suspiria. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. That's uh, ar- is arguably his his maybe his best received, the most important movie it's not my favourite Dario Argento movie but I yeah, think it's yeah, I, you've,
2: you've said that before actually. I think
0: it's his best I, I, I really do think it's his best movie it's not my favourite one to watch but I, I totally appreciate everything that's going on it and to be honest the two movies that I kind of put above it are, you know, marginally above. It's not like, well, you know, Tenebrae's better buy it, you know, a whole fucking mile. No, it's not anything like that. It's just I happen to gravitate more towards that specific style of storytelling than I do towards Suspiria. But Suspiria, for me, if you were to ask me about the my top five horror movies of all time, is in there, and the two that I enjoy more are not. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm able to put away my kind of personal feelings for overlooking certain things that don't work um in favor of things that i understand gen the, the genuine importance of said movie and that's you know that's where that comes in it's just for a while now people have it's flung out every now and again this is how you know you're a hardcore horror fan i'm like it's fucking you know it's 2018 this movie's had its 40th anniversary and got two massive releases either side of the atlantic I mean, massive releases where people spent a lot of money, me doubling up, obviously, um, (laughs) to own copies of this. So, you don't do that if it's this little cult movie that no one's heard of before. So, I I find it, you know, every now and again, I I find my my eyes roll when I see these lists pop out, you know, 10 amazing horror movies. You might not have seen it. If Suspiria's on that That list, shit. Um, so like <laughs> like, bin that Buzzfeed list and move on to something a bit more quality um, so yeah it's, no, I think I, to be honest with you I've, I've loved the list of five because you have picked five completely different movies and that's, yeah. that's kind of what I love about this one I mean the people under the stairs is goofy it hasn't aged well it's you know at points like totally all over the place but you know I saw it at the right time so I love it Portergeist is a movie the first time I saw it genuinely did creep me out, I saw it at far too young age, it scared an entire generation, it forced the USA to change the way that they certified movies. Um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is the one that really is the kind of nasty indie movie that kicks off an entire subgenre of realistic serial killer movies. You know, pivots the, the idea of storytelling away from, well, you know, it's the boogeyman to, no, this can be anyone living anywhere, and you may have passed him in the street or been behind him when buying your coffee, and this guy yeah. could be a horrible killer if you just spend the rest of the day with him. Um, and then, you know, Salem's Lot itself, I mean, sets the template for a lot of modernising of the way that vampire stories are told. Um, yeah, it is overlong, and yeah, it's very baggy in places, and yes, some of those long pauses are ridiculous, uh, but at the same time, a lot of the the setups are used within ten years. in the way that vampires are presented, the way they float, the way they act, uh, the, the hiss, you know the the, the kind of pivot towards like the really cinematic use of kind of the the, the kind of hissing and the, the the movement and all the rest moves definitely towards kind of Salem's lot sort of stuff when you move into these. So past it may be too long it definitely influences things and there ain't no movie in my opinion personally that influences an entire generation of filmmakers quite like Suspiria does um, it's the one that when you ever listen to any of the big masters of horror talk about movies that really kind of made them go what the f- we're in a different we're in a different game now uh, the, the rules have been thrown out the window it always comes back to Argentina Suspiria it's really 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 weird um, and it sets up, you know, a whole uh, new system of how to light like things, a uh, narrative storytelling, or or the lack thereof, uh, dream logic in movies. It really just goes for it. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could not have picked five more different, but at the same time, from a podcast under the stairs perspective more important films than you did and yeah it's a testament to you man i think the fact that we've come this far and you're now going at that right let's let's start picking off this one this one this one and all these movies are just like bona fide classics i think is very much a testament to the hard work that you've put in man so i am excited and also terrified about what's coming up after the first break and that is why I'm waffling
2: Baz that's why I am waffling right now that's okay big man because I am fully lubricated and fully erect to fuck this bitch right well with that oh,
0: <laughs> horribly obtuse statement uh, which I mean I don't know where we're going I don't know listeners I don't know where we're going um, yeah let's, let's just fucking do it man let's just do it we can sit here and, and beat around the bush or we can uh, let Baz beat around someone else's bush, uh, with their permission, obviously, consensual always. Uh, we're going to take our first break of the show. You're going to hear promos for shows that we know of, uh, that said us <laughs> said promos. Uh, you are also going to hear uh, a little bit of music curated by the Baz. The Baz has picked all the inner music on this run of shows. We're also then going to play the trailer for Suspiria. We're playing the American trailer because I, I like it. It's a lot of fun. It's very goofy. It's not as good as the international trailer, but um, the American one is pretty funny. It doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And they add things to it as well. Just to, like add scenes that aren't in the movie. So yeah, It's just making shit up. America. God, America. Um, yeah, and when we come back, it's time to cast our eyes finally over... Dario Argento's 1990. I keep wanting to say '97.
2: It's not 1997. Nope, it absolutely isn't. I can categorically state that Sarah Michelle Geller is not in this movie. It'd be so much better if she was.
0: Yes, it would. Yep, that whole remake with Sarah Michelle Geller. Yes. Someone missed a turn there. Someone missed a turn. Italian man who's just remade this movie and it comes out in a month's time.
2: Um, yeah, I blame Freddy Prince Junior. Uh, everyone blames Freddy Prince Junior.
0: If he wasn't so goddamn attractive. Uh, right, we are going to uh, play the trailer for 1977's Suspiria. When we come back, we're reviewing that movie right after this.
3: Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. (laughs) That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard. Richard or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doomedmoviethon.com check for our amazon exclusive hello this is the doom show cookbook do you like hot dogs (laughs) we got them do you like mac and cheese we got it do you like cheddar we have it actually we don't no no cheddar just colby colby jack hello this is the doom show we never gave up on you because you never gave up on us wow
0: Back, so you've just heard the trailer for Suspiria from 1977. Love how that guy in the trailer is just like Suspiria all the way through. It just you know kind of almost sounds like the Goblin score. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, this movie was directed by master of horror Il Maestro Dario Argento. Um, it was written by Dario Argento and his then beau. Uh, Daria Nicolodi although I believe most of it was Daria Nicolodi actually Um, rumour rumour has it rumour has it um, that I don't know why I keep doing that now because I don't know what that song is but I know that lyric so I don't
2: know Um, Uh, I've never heard of it man I don't know either Uh, but Daria Nicolodi just get on with your Soapy, tit-white, oh. Dario Argento.
0: Yeah, um, you know what's coming. Uh,
2: everything's coming. <laughs>
0: um, Daria Nicolodi said, uh, I think it was her grandmother uh, who had studied at a German school, not for dance, but had like regaled this tale. It's kind of fairy tale-esque tale um, about witches and stuff when she was growing up and it morphed into this movie. Um, the movie stars Jessica Harper in the main role. Love me some Jessica Harper. Uh, this was right off the back of her doing um, Phantom of the Paradise
2: for Brian De Palma. And just before she did Sex in the City. Ooh, what? <laughs> That's not right. Sarah Jessica Park. I said
0: Jessica Harper.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking mimically.
0: One you, them. One of them is... <laughs> A very good actress. Another one has a face like a horse trying to eat a fucking apple through a (laughs) letterbox. That's right. Don't fuck with me, Baz. Don't fuck with me. Although the (laughs) series Jessica Parker is phenomenal in a little movie called Horus Pocus, which I do love. And it is the only good film that Mick Garris has ever directed. Dropping fucking bombs on this episode. Hate bombs. Really, old man. In your fucking face with my hate bomb. Uh, The movie also stars Stefania Cassidy. Uh, Flavio Bucci oh, this is just gonna, this is a fucking recipe for disaster. Miguel <laughs> Bose, Barbara Magnolfi, uh, Susanna Giafacoli. um Eva Axen. Stop laughing at me. Rudolf <laughs> Schlundler. Uh, fucking cunt. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Udo Kier is in this one. Udo. Uh, Alidia Valley. <laughs> Uh, Joan Bennett, (laughs) Gon Bennett, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, Margareti Horowitz, Mm. and some other folks. Uh, Synopsis (laughs) of this one is, an American newcomer to a prestigious German ballet academy comes to realise that the school is a front for something sinister amid a series of grisly... Murders now, Baz, 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 Baz. Before we let the let me kick into some listener re, uh, reviews for this particular movie. Uh, let me just set the scene for you. Let me just set the scene for you. We're in the seventies. You know, we're, we're we're past the halfway mark of the seventies now, and a director has come out of Italy that has literally set the world on fire. His name. Oh,
3: Jesus I'm not even. God, I'm,
0: I'm not even. Oh, wait, your chin, man! I'm not even joking. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like all the other directors, like Mario Bava, who most people would argue is more important than Dario Argento None of them had conquered America. It's like, it's like that way with British pop bands. You know, like you're not like you like you're not a great British recording artist if you've not conquered America because apparently that counts as something. Um, but you aren't unless you've done it right. And it's the same with international cinema. In Europe, you were really, you were, especially in horror, you were kind of a nobody if you were only just playing to your people. It was when you conquered America, it was when you landed there and American audiences knew your movies and wanted to see your movies, or they played well in there, that you were actually like seen as being someone very important. And Argento landed it in his first try. Bird with a Crystal Plumage was a very bizarre Success in America, and that movie really did well there and no one kind of knows why because he really wasn't doing that much different from everyone else in Italy. And then from there, you know, the name just became synonymous with these kind of ultra-violent mystery films. And, you know, he followed up with Cat and Nine Tales and Four Flies and Grey Velvet and then made his drama comedy movie, which flopped. And they returned to Jalo again and did Deep Red. And people consider Deep Red the pinnacle of Jalo. I mean, it's like it's widely regarded as the best Jalo movie ever made. Um, and he could have kept going with that. And he was like, no, no, no. Let me turn my hand some two years later to something a bit more supernatural and fairy tale-esque, but bring all that weird shit that I did in Deep Red over into it. And that's what you get from Suspiria. And Suspiria was like the
1: sort
0: of movie when it landed because everyone everywhere went fucking nuts for the movie. No one had ever seen anything like this. It really was just like on a different plane. Um, It's one of the last movies to be shot in Technicolor, which obviously if you've seen things like uh, Wizard of Oz, you know, like that, that use of exaggerated over-the-top color. And Argento deliberately wanted to do that for a lot of the reasons that you know, movies like um, The Wizard of Oz and that stand-up. It was this idea of this kind of exaggerated fairy tale-esque, almost Walt Disney, and we'll get into this later on, kind of um, styling of colour. And this is what he wanted to do. It was going to be a a vibrant assault on all your senses from start to finish. So, I mean, this this is what you've got coming into this. You've got this guy who's like... Ultimately, and a lot of people would argue at the you know at the height of his power, you know, seven years into his directing career, and you know, this is what he drops, um, and people don't know how to deal with it. And then he has the gall after this to say, well, this is the first of three movies that I'm gonna do, this first part of a trilogy. And then you know, delivers a trilogy which takes some the best part of like 30 years to deliver on because the next movie comes out pretty much straight away uh, it's inferno it's very very early 80s i think it might be 1980 um, inferno drops and then people are like right so that's the second one so when are we getting you know mother of tears the third mother um and we think we're going to get that with tenebrae because that would make sense because that's where tenebrae the name comes from it's uh, mater tenebranum and uh, you expect it to be that and he's like no no, no it's a giallo and he does loads of giallos, and people are like, where are we going with this, Dario? And then in the mid-2000s, he drops Mother of Tears, and people are like, what is going on? And it kind of loosely links it, and it does, and it doesn't, and it's weird, and it, some people hate it, and I kind of love it, because I love Dario Argento, um, but I can see why people don't love it. And it's You know what I mean? And it, it, this, is, this is how, welcome to my world, Baz, the world that try to piece together and apologise, and at the same time, pay reverence to Dario Argento, but I'm not the only one that's there.
2: I'm not the one that's here. Do you remember about seven minutes ago saying, "But nobody wants to hear what we've got to say about it. We want to hear what you've got to say about it." Yes, the buzz.
0: but this is my yep. show, and you will sit yep. and listen to everything I have to say. Right. How close are you to ejaculating right now? Um, I may have already passed. I reckon that. we're
2: about a minute away from it. I
0: think I was a minute ago. Uh, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I think I'm just like like
2: like doing that kind of what was it? Post orgasm torture. Um, where it's just like, this is your equivalent of lying there with a cigarette hanging out your mouth. Brilliant. Pretty much.
0: Um, I'm not the only one that loves this movie. To be honest with you, there was there was some mixed grades. I was expecting a sea of fives from our listeners, but uh, this is the first half of them and then we'll get the second half of them just before we hear your final grade, Baz. But Max Falkingham says, Dario at his most creative in that soundtrack. Five out of five. Uh, our buddy Jamie says sexy dancers crazy story quality tunes what's not to like five out of five jerry esposito says it's always struck me as the 2001 a space odyssey of horror films that's a fucking great comparison jerry uh, he gives it four stars matt wood says Bally goes horribly wrong in every sense 2.5 out of five andy clark says vivid jarring and uncompromising a masterpiece of creative horror cinema from one of its true visionaries, five out of five. <coughs> uh, our buddy Andrew says, like a nightmarish painting come to life. Five out of five. Donna Nelly says, movie number six on my all-time horror film list. A better soundtrack, and it would be in the top five. Five out of five. And we will finish up this little segment with Darren Wilson saying, An LSD frosted stained glass fairy tale with a rad soundtrack. Five out of five as I have set the stage I have given you the man's journey to this point I've told you about the legacy I, 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 I've I, given you what the listeners think I've given you what I think and I will give you a whole hell of a lot more at the end but the important point is we have now cleared the stage the microphone is at the podium the audience is hushed mopped it down. The, the, listen the, <laughs> the audience is hushed we are waiting Baited breath. The spotlight has now appeared on the centre of the stage. A hush has come over the audience and Baz makes his way to the podium. Baz, tell the listeners of the podcast
2: under the stairs what you made of Suspiria. That's me just popping the popping the cork on my fan, Miguel. Once you pop, the fun don't stop, Baz. The fun don't stop. It sure don't. Right, folks, in the uh, three and a half hours that Duncan's been speaking, my common cold has morphed into pleurisy. I may not have much time left, so we're going to batter through this. If I don't make it to the end, I'm sorry. So, you heard that? Baz gave the movie a 5 out of 5. <laughs> Boom! Here we go. Hold on to your archaic Italian panties. Oh dear. Dario Argento, Sithberia. Well, he's not actually Spanish, so he Yeah, I don't know why he did that. that. I don't know why he nah, did that at all. Nah. Eh. Uh, I'm clutching in my sweaty little sterile mitts, uh, Duncan's extremely expensive steelbook Blu-ray copy. Uh, it's very expensive to buy Suspiria in this country. Yep. You don't get a cheap copy of it. About the kind of cheapest version I was looking at was at about fifteen quid. Which surprises um, me.
0: That really surprised because, like, yeah. when it first got launched towards the end of last year, like, I got I paid extra money for this limited run for the steelbook, right? Yeah, um, but the standard release it's the same company. Cult Films put it the standard, you know, like 4K Blu ray as well. That's out there that our buddy Scott from Scott Leams just purchased. And when it first came out, you could pick it up from anywhere between 10 and 15 pounds. And that was like eight, eight nine, ten months ago. That I just assume at this point that cost comes down because it should come yeah. down. And when you told me it was like 15 quid, I was like,
2: oh dear. Costs a cocking fortune. It also doesn't appear on any fucking streaming sites at all. Too good for streaming sites, Baz. Yeah, apparently so. Apparently fucking so. Anyway. So I watched the cult films, fucking Steelbook, Blu-ray, Anniversary, Bonanza, copy of Dario Argento's Suspiria, uh, which opens with 30 seconds or so of Dario Argento being a smug prick. Whoa! And then... There's a. He is. He's. Oh, creepily smug. How? Creepily smug. What does he do that like makes him he's, smug? This is the look in his face. Looks like he's getting filleted out of shot. He's 75. Come on, step off. Which, which is why he looks so creepy and not just sexually aroused. Anyway, this is my section. <laughs> Back in your cage, McLeish. I don't like the way you're attacking, um, like
0: way you're attacking an old
2: man. <laughs> There's. Oh, this fucking bollocks then comes up on the screen about the quality of the negative. It's basically a, a, a kind of reasoning for why the, the picture's so shoddy at points, I think. Something about the original. I, you know, I did even read it. Bollocks. Anyway, we then get to the film at long last. Excuse me, I'm just clearing my nostrils. Some young chick called Susie Banyan. She's fresh-faced. Fa- fresh Spunky looking young girl. Uh, I mean that in the old fashioned sense good. not in the drenched and semen sense. Um, she steps off a plane from the United States in München in Germany. That's Munich. Yes. For anybody that doesn't speak as good German as I do. No. Nope. Most of them um, don't guys. most of them don't. She's a fine looking young Phillies, young Susie. So we'll, uh, we'll call her Sexy Susie. Sexy, Sexy Susie Banyan. Oh, nice. There we go. Little Susie's on the up. That's one for the Tesla fans out there. That will not be my fucking choice of music for this episode. Although I did think about it very briefly, but not a bad idea, Bad idea. <laughs> um, There's some very arty shots of an automatic door. Needless, in my mind. Er. Oh. Uh, which we get just before she walks out of the airport into the worst storm in living memory. Uh, she then tries to hail a cab by attempting to commit suicide under its wheels. Uh, eventually, one does stop, picks it up. It's <clears throat> quite a good little bit, like, Can you give me a hand with these bags? You don't really see the guys end, but again, I've started adding more narrative to films oh, as we no, saw. Don't, in the last no, don't this one, Bas. No. It, it's just it's like that. I'm not coming out of there then. Absolutely <laughs> patient and get him in yourself. And I'm a, a Germanic accent, obviously. Um probably after questioning their ethnic origin. Anywho's um <laughs>
0: Oh no, it's it's like all full circle. It's like all the quips of all the films have emerged in this one.
1: (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, anyway, she does eventually get in the taxi and after a bit of a language barrier, well, there doesn't appear to be a language barrier, her cab driver just appears to be an arse. Yes. Um, They finally get to know where she's going and they head off, uh, during which he decides to do some kind of rather random off-roading through a very densely packed forest, it has to be said. Uh-huh. And then I've just written here, what the fuck is with all the neon lights? Everywhere's just lit in neon. This is Germany. Do you know what I mean? It should be far grimmer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get the feeling. Anyway.
0: Feeling, uh, feeling this is going to go downhill pretty quick.
2: Oh, it's early doors, yeah, not Um... No, obviously this is it's all to do the film this kind of very jarring glaring neon light you know, and I think a lot of this will go back to the technical the ball that you were talking about earlier on that I kind of zoned out on Jesus um, honestly you could try, try and give a
0: man a little bit of, a little bit of education what he does is he takes the bit of paper you've written it down
2: or rolls uh, it up and stuffs it up your arse Ah, uh, wipe my own arse first. There first oh no erm um, no. She arrives at a ballet academy, which is basically where she's been travelling to. So she's come from America to study at this ballet uh, academy. She asks the driver to wait on her, um, goes up to the door in the pissing rain. um. As she gets up there, there's a blonde chick uh, in a red coat, runs out the door. um, And is shouting stuff to somebody inside. She fucks off. Young Sexy Susie tries the door. A voice answers the intercom and they basically just say, we don't know fucking who you are, fuck off, and she's supposed to leave in the taxi. She drives back through the forest again. Uh, and we see this blonde chick running like the devil himself is chasing her. Right. Sexy Susie's a bit of a boot, turns out. Doesn't bother her whole to stop picking her up or anything like that, do you know what I mean? You might go like that, you look like you're fleeing for your life. Driver could be possibly pull over and save this soon-to-be-rape victim that is charging through the woods screaming. No, fuck that. Susie just wants to get to go whenever she's gone. Um, the film then cuts to another scene, and it's the, the blonde gets... we can kind of moved away from uh, Susie. It's now this blonde chick. Um, she makes it to an apartment building where she knows one of the tenants who's offered to let her stay there. Um, you don't really find out what's going on. Too much at this point. Uh, she goes for a bit of a piss. She <laughs> starts getting st- starts getting all weird about the window. A bit uh, of a piss.
0: <laughs> I go. I go for a piss. You don't go for a piss. You don't go for a bit of a piss. No one. No one goes. You know what? I'm going to just go and cut myself off midstream and then just sit uncomfortable for the next while and then finish well. it there.
2: That can be quite good for your pelvic floor if you're a lady. (laughs) Maybe she was just practising good pelvic floor. (laughs) Practice. She's a ballet dancer this isn't what I fucking piss herself in the middle of a a scene. She wants to be all nice and tight and closed off down there. (laughs) a bit of a piss maybe to fucking bounce a golf ball (laughs) off it anyway she gets all weird about the window Uh, eventually she kind of goes over to it and this huge kind of hairy clawed arm smashes through Uh kind of grabs her and then tries to pull her head out through the adjoining pane of glass Um her friend, she's outside the door screaming to get in because she was having a bit of a piss. She's locked the door, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can I use that? For you? <laughs> well, I'm fucking going in now. Um, then the blonde girl gets stabbed a few times, and then she kind of falls through. There's a stained glass ceiling yeah. in this apartment room, Um and she falls through that. But she's had a flex, like an electrical flex, put around her neck, so she's left hanging in the atrium by this. Uh, Electrical flex. Uh, and then her friend, I think it is, she's been impaled by like falling debris. Is that right? Is yep. that the friend? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I thought so, thought so. So she appears to have been killed by stuff that's fallen down. Um, actually, quite a good scene. Nice. I did get. You, you You knew there was a jump coming, which is at the window. I wasn't expecting what happened. Um, it did give me a bit of a fright. The appearance of the arm was quite off putting. Um, that kind of freaked me out a bit. Um, and I thought that the, the hanging scene was very, very good. You get that usual fluorescent crimson blood, right enough, which kind of pissed. But again, it's Italian genre cinema. You know, I'm going to talk even more about the blood effects later on. I'd,
0: I, I, I will just like not to try and preempt what you're going to say. Argento was a massive fan of Hammer horror, um, and he uses the same, basically the same sort of blood that was used in Hammer horror films. Um, which okay. is like this poster red paint Like very much not what blood looks like At all blood And he does okay. it in a lot of his movies But it's even... Okay oh, Holy <laughs> shit
2: I've <Yeah. laughs> oh, said okay about four times Dear god Let you know it, what I let think it go McLeish You know it's pish you know, it's just shite blood.
0: So, so, like, so I'm talking piss, so I'm only allowed to talk a bit of piss before you cut me off, is that what you're saying? It's so good for my yes. pelvic
2: floor, or whatever yes. it was? I'll boot you right in your pelvic floor <laughs> if you don't back off, sir. <laughs> I'm not even sure if we have pelvic floors, but you're getting kicked in it, sir. <laughs> you don't reel yourself in. A punt to the taint listen go. I have am... oh that oh that made me clench there, <laughs> there you <laughs> I go me there you know. oh. <laughs> oh no need McLeish no need sir <laughs> oh that brought a bit of bile up oh Ooh. oh gosh that's uh, some word to be tossing about Right, Eddie anyway. listen, I'm just after saying that I quite enjoyed that scene. But
0: then you go into fucking, I, I quite enjoyed that scene, except the blood, which is the fucking, and the fucking, 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 fuck the Italians, and fuck the filmmakers, and fucking special effects, and fucking 70s, and
2: fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> I know,
0: I know, I, it's like, you can't just sit there, you could just leave it where, I really enjoyed that kill.
2: That wouldn't be me. Either, no, wouldn't, that's not why you actually, pay me. That's not why you off. pay me upwards of three pounds a show. That's right.
0: Check <laughs> is in the mail, Baz. That's right. Check. <laughs> this one will not bend that bad
3: as the last
2: one did. <laughs> anyway, next morning a blind guy comes up, so he's just pandering to the fucking equal opportunities crowd at this point, oh, basically. Jesus Christ. <laughs> A blind guy walks up to the dance academy with his wee uh, Sexy Susie the Yank turns up soon after. Um, she's met by Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS, who's now working <laughs> in, uh, in this ballet school in her former hometown of Munich. Ilsa's <laughs> um, <laughs> let herself go to Seed. <laughs> over the years. But she still has a certain air about her, so I'd probably still let her put things in me. Oh, no. Um, she's introduced to Madame Blanc, who runs the show. Well, I believe she's referred to as the vice directoress. Yes. So she's not the, the top top, but she appears to be running everything. Um. Yeah, she has this weird creepy little blonde boy from Brazil type Nazi clone child sidekick. It's a bit of a mouthful I will give you that, but I really couldn't come up with a snappier name for him. I think his name's Albert, and I may actually have to use that. Maybe Albert the Tiny Nazi. Operation Paperclip, Baz. Operation Paperclip? Operation Paperclip?
0: For fuck's sake, what kind of of casual uh, Nazi... Fan are you? I, I want to stress very that. very
2: ca- very casual
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> operation Paperclip is the American operation that took Nazi scientists to America to help them win the space race. Ah
2: I like think Werner von Braun. Yes. That's
0: that was the and that's the official name, it's Operation Paperclip. So that's not yeah. me just giving it a like a you know, these conspiracy theories, you know they used for they used fucking explosive paint in the building goddamn. not that sort of you know conspiracy theory. they actually did do that and a lot of them came from South America bands. you mentioned Brazil so yeah all made sense Operation Paperclip
2: there we go I'm wasted okay, okay. okay. after tangent. after that tangent I'm um, yeah watching. right so anyway there's this weird little blonde guy dressed like god only knows what Um they then tell Susie about the girl being murdered Um and they also tell her that her room's not quite ready, but she can lodge with one of the girls in town. Uh, there's some cops in asking Madame Blanc about what's been going on, and Susie tells them what she saw the night before when she arrived. Aye, the girl, running out. Hmm? Uh, then I've written here there is a creepy wee handyman who looks guilty as sin. He's probably the murderer. This is followed in my notes. By another line, there's a big deformed Romanian cunt (laughs) called Pablos. He's probably the murderer. (laughs) I basically just spent, in fact, just prior to this, I fingered this other guy as the murderer till I found out he was a policeman investigating the murder. All right, okay, I'm going to give him a bye. It's definitely the wee guy that keeps looking over his shoulder. Oh no no! It's this guy that looks like the poor cousin of Jaws from the the James Bond movies. <laughs> it's def- definitely him. He remained my favourite, actually. <laughs> he remained my favourite. Um, Susie gets introduced around the other students. One of them is Olga, who did she was the one that she's going to be rooming with. Um, she borrows a pair of shoes. Uh, And talks to a ginger lady who drops a fancy lighter with a clock in it. Uh, And then this ginger woman who's called Sarah and Olga have a very weird but mildly erotic confrontation. Uh, And yeah, I I think it was at this point that I kind of remembered what you'd said to me before about this don't view this as one continuous story. Yeah kind of view it almost as just lots of little bits that have been pieced together and some of them coherently form kind of a story. Yeah. Uh, because the, there's the weird bit about the shoes. Um, can I borrow a pair of shoes? Yeah, yeah, of course you can. Uh, I can do you a really good deal on them. It's all right, hen, I've got my own shoes. I just need to borrow some. All right, then. <laughs> you know, okay. Uh, and it comes comes to nothing. Yep. The girl that wants to sell her shoes does not appear in this again. Neither do the shoes. It's, uh, it's a throwaway scene. Like most of this, to be honest, there's just so much to blame. And actually, it doesn't bother me. Three, four years ago, this would have driven me to distraction, but it doesn't really bother me now. Some of it's quite amusing. Um, Yes, weird tongue confrontation, which is kind of cool, but not overly so. Um, Later on, Susie's settling into Olga's flat. Uh, they're both fully clothed, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, she does like a room. The handyman guy turns up with the bags. Definitely the murderer. <laughs> There's a bit of low-level <laughs> flirting goes on. Okay, he's dropped down a bit. Not sure if he's the murderer anymore. Um, he seems to work there, uh, or he lives and works in the academy as a dancer kind of thing, but he doesn't have the money to pay for it, so he has to work for them or some yeah. bollocks like that. Um so basically he's a male ballet dancer so he's probably not the murderer nor is he likely to shag big Susie. Um, nah, that's a terrible cliche, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Both to male ballet dancers and to gay gentlemen. He's, he's terrible. I apologise. No, in fact, Bazzy's apology stands. Uh, I'm not going to
0: apologise for him anymore. He knows what he's done and he's apologised for it. Lay off him, listeners. He fucking apologised for it.
2: Susie and Olga talk about the dead girl. Uh, and Susie says that she remembers him, her saying secret and Iris. Ooh. And it was just right at this point that I completely cracked this movie wide open. Oh, Buzz, tell us all about it. It's a woman called Iris that's the murderer. I <laughs> <laughs> actually went through my head. I bet it's no the flower, I bet it's somebody's name. Okay, that that was my inner monologue when that happened.
0: Baz Baz thinks that he's cracked the mystery of this movie fifty yep. minutes into it. It's like they've given yep. away like you know, that, that, that might have confused 70s audiences, but me but not
2: not me. I've seen over fifty films <laughs> now. <laughs> You're not taking me down Argento. <laughs> not with like a fucking fight. Eh? <laughs> I had an anti-Irish you prick <laughs> uh, I didn't <laughs> I, did, I did have an anti-sissy but uh, she just had a weird fucking name she's no in film.
3: <laughs> Um
1: <laughs>
2: oh dear <laughs> Next day, they're at ballet practice. <coughs> Madame Blanc tells Susie that her room is ready. She's like, "I'm quite happy at Big Olga's." In my head, at that point, I played out this lesbian scene that they weren't witness to. Of course, she did. So basically, she, in my head, she's banging Big Olga now. Uh, Madame Blanc seems to get dead pissy about the fact that she doesn't want to come and stay at the academy. Um, they all head off to another room uh, to have a bit of a practice with Big Ilsa of the SS. Uh, on the way there, uh, Susie's kind of behind the rest of them and a very large ugly woman reflects <laughs> reflects light from a little prism in her hand into Worldly Susie's women.
0: eyes. Worldly
2: woman. But ugly woman. She's <laughs> got this, this little prism thing in her hand and she reflects light off it. It's like What was that fucking quiz show that uh, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer used to do? Shooting stars? Shooting stars. It's kind of like one of the games from that. Do you know what I mean? You can imagine something having to pop balloons while Vic Reeves reflects fucking light from a prism into your eyes to try and distract you. So it's exactly like that, only it's not Vic Reeves, it's this big ugly woman. From Um, the twisted minds of Reeves and Mortimer comes is prism that, is that...
0: prism popping i don't know <laughs> i'm like i really don't know i was just trying to i was trying to see how we would, how we would encapsulate this but yeah like it's like you went,
2: you went too far duncan you should have let that one go yep.
0: never never yeah. go never call Phil reeves
2: <laughs> <laughs> this weird like light reflecting thing though has the kind of effect of, of drugging her like she ends up all oh, fucked after it kind of thing as if she's just been spiked which is kind of weird and I've got a little WTF in brackets after that
0: did you uh, yeah, look uh, up online where you could buy one Baz?
2: <laughs> no mate I'm still trying to get through that fucking uh, industrial sized box with a hip and all that I bought, I bought. <laughs> that's going to last me for years even with me taking half of it myself this is right I mean, I've, st- I've still got loads of it left so it's fine it's all good if you do have one of those wee prism things you let me see it I will all do I'll do smash it um, at the practice, Big Ilsa forces her to join in because she's a, well, she's a seasoned concentration camp guard. Oh, Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Um, just be glad she's not using your mouth as her toilet. <laughs> um and she collapses because she's like, I'm, I'm too weak to dance, Madame Ilsa. But she makes her, um, and she collapses. Uh, we also, at this point, notice that we blind dude's playing the piano. That appears to be his job. Um <laughs> then I've written here, there's a little bit of me thinking that Susie and Ilsa could make an amazing young slash old lesbo porno. Oh no. And I stand by that footnote. <sighs> uh, they have a very creepy doctor in to look at her. Um Yeah, he just looks like everything begins with a vaginal fucking examination, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> you going
0: to beat him for the first time and he's already put on the rubber gloves.
2: Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. It's okay, I've just dislodged my cornea. Let's just have a wee look, Ken. I'm the doctor. <laughs> put your feet in these stirrups. <laughs> Anywhos, um he gives her an injection, and I've written here he gives her an injection of the non-hot beef type. <laughs> it's all hyphenated in my notes. Oh, God. <laughs> I think I was getting really tired by this point. That My note-taking took me three fucking attempts, and I think I was getting quite tired by this, so I was coming up with shit like this. Um, he basically says that she should have a glass of red wine with every meal to build a blood cell count back up. I thought, I thought this doctor was buzz
0: for a second. So this is
2: like, like this is
1: Bazzy's ideal
2: doctor. What's that? A baby every, yep, every that's it. Absolutely. glass a red wine with my cornflakes and my morning doctor, <laughs> and a quick swatch up my prostate. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib, doctor. <laughs> um. Wait, wait. Yeah, right. Yeah, and they, they've moved her into the academy as well, kind of against her wishes. Um, She's in the room next to Sarah. Sarah seems a bit freaked out when this doctor gets mentioned. Um, She doesn't like him. So I think he's been a little bit molested with some people at points. Yeah, Possibly earlier on. Uh, Later on, young Suze is brushing her hair. She finds maggots in it. She screams and runs out of the room. All the ceilings on her floor are covered in maggots and they're dropping down like a wriggly rain upon the people below them they're all screaming and freaking out big Elsa's having none of it she's straight up into the attic with a handyman Uh, they kind of use this attic as a store Um, and there's a crate full of decomposing food which is the source of the maggots I don't really think that's how maggot infestations work No. but if I can suspend my disbelief for the rest of this fucking movie I'm going to really have to suspend it for this as well you will, yes I shall. Uh, Madame Blanc gathers all the students together and apologizes for their impromptu maggot shower. (laughs) Um, She blames it on their food suppliers. They turn one of the dance studios into like a big dormitory. Oh, hello. (laughs) I was watching this earlier.
0: I was watching this earlier today. That scene come up. I was like that, like. I would love to be a fly on the wall and Bazzy's note taker. Because I just imagine you'd t- writing something and go, no, 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 not filthy enough. Score it out. Let's try it again. No, still not filthy enough. <laughs> <laughs> like just maybe That's four enough. or five attempts just to get the right level of filth.
2: No, see, that none of that happened because basically I did that. Oh, hello. And then just shut the laptop. Because <laughs> it. Cause it it's time to concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to pay attention to mi- to Monsieur Dario Argento. Um they use sheets to make like fake walls. Um, and then they all bunk down for a good old fashioned pillow fight. Um <laughs> That's not in the movie. For them who's not seen it, they don't have a pillar fight. They should have, but they don't. Um Sarah's telling Susie that none of the teachers live on campus, that they all leave at 9.30 on the dot. This throwaway piece of information does become quite important later. I'm going to put you at ease here, Duncan, by the way. I did get Suspiria. You did get... Yeah, we're not going to have a rehash of the Tenebrae fiasco.
0: Yeah, I I don't think this... Like I said before, this one doesn't have... To me, although I would say the same about Tenebrae, but tenebrae obviously caused issues but this one doesn't have a complicated plot it's just that the the way things play out are played out with dream logic so like the escalation of scenes doesn't necessarily always make sense but yeah doesn't have to it probably shouldn't for what he's actually trying to create so that that's cool as long as as long as we're on that had we got to the end of this one you were like that right i'll be honest with you duncan no fucking clue what was happening. Yeah, I I would yeah. I to see frustrated would have been a word that come up would have been an understatement. It would have been fucking frustrated.
2: Yeah, yeah. So why is she helping an old lady? Is yeah. there? Yeah. Is is this a film of elder abuse? <laughs> <laughs> Just see Susie stepping off a plane in Ipswich to start her new job in her old folks home. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so then they turn all the lights off in the in the kind of newly created dormitory, but they leave all the red ones on, yeah, just so it looks like a massive brothel. Um, and then as they settle down for the night, this kind of vampire-like figure—I'm not saying it's a vampire, by the way—calm right. yourself, right? But a vampire-like figure. Lies down on one of the beds behind the curtains. We only can see it in silhouette. Bizarrely, nobody else fucking sees it. Um, Ginger, Sarah wakes up Susie and says, can you hear snoring? Sarah then goes into this very long, winded exploration as to why she knows it's the the actual directoress. So like Madame Blanc's boss, for want of a better term. Who they had been told wasn't in the Academy. She has this thing oh, I met her once and she snored just like that oh, fucking, I mean whatever head <laughs> um, the, and then uh, nothing more comes of that really which is kind of surprising it looks like it's leaning to something but it doesn't uh, the next day the, the blind dude turns up for work and while he's in there the, the dog bites the weird looking Nazi kid yep not that we see it. <laughs> Uh, the blind guy's like, that wee shit must have provoked it. Uh, <laughs> big ill says, i of of it. <laughs> she, she attacks him. So I like, get the fuck out. So off he goes. He's, he's full of swagger as he's leaving right enough. He's like, take um, your job and fucking shove it. Shove it up your arse, you fucking war criminal. And... <laughs> 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 And that's the end of that. It's, it's, again, it's another one of these things that <laughs> I mean, sod all to anything. Um, Big Pablos the Giant drops Susie's dinner off. Um, and it focuses very much on her drinking this wine. Yeah. Um, excuse me, my cold medication's kicking in, so I'm going to have a wee nap for a while. I'm going to let Duncan speak for 45 minutes an hour maybe. Uh, about the fucking intricacies of the wine glass, and then um, I'll come back. So the, the wine I'm glass. Just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Cab, You're selling a cliché. I was like, yeah,
0: yeah, show, yeah, He's tagging me! yeah The wine glass. <laughs> Originally purchased from a East German <laughs> ve- uh, vendor in 1935, this wine glass was passed down as a family heirloom from the the Prussian royal family. Um, I
2: hate you (laughs) (laughs) right later on Sarah and Susie hear footsteps Sarah says it's the teachers leaving to go home but the rather drugged up Susie notices that the footsteps are going in the wrong way Uh Susie's completely bombed we can pick up to this point that this wine she's getting given is drugging her or the food but I think it's the wine that seems to focus on the wine all the time uh, Sarah tries to count the steps so they can figure out where they're going which seems a fairly tenuous fucking technique but it does come back into it it reminded me of when I watched that that uh,
0: that second Taken movie which I don't recommend anyone does but if you're wanting a laugh do it because there's a scene in that where um, like Liam Neeson starts throwing grenades in the air uh, so he can count the time it takes uh, for the explosion for the sound to reach him to triangulate where he is and I was like that, that's fucking stupid that is actually stupid. what he's doing this by ear yes yeah, by ear yeah because he's Liam Neeson and he will find oh, you my.
3: he's it got was a, a, Jedi a fucking
0: this. special set of skills Baz, if you didn't know that one is triangulating the sound of fucking exploding grenades fucking stupid movie anyway I've never seen any of those films uh, the first one's worth it, and then nothing after it is worth it. <laughs> and I would argue a large part uh, a large portion of his career after that movie is not worth it either.
1: they bitchy, okay?
0: Bitchy hate bombs. I told you the whole episode. Hate bombs.
2: We blinded to the beer hall. Yep. Um, there's some of that traditional Bavarian. Dancing shit getting down. Oh, they're all dressed in the leather hosen, bars. They are mm. the real leather shorts, slapping each other's arses. Aye, what a fucking culture, man! <laughs> honest to God, see between that and Morris dancing, right?
1: Yep.
2: How did anybody
0: win World War Two? I-, I thought you were just going to ask how did people procreate?
1: <laughs> like,
2: no, who- hon- honest to God. Wh- one nation bedecked in leather shorts, slapping each other's anuses, and the other fucking ones tying pigs' bladders to their legs and dancing around a fucking pole that's yep. apparently supposed to represent a penis. Jesus God. Anyway. Blind dude leaves and walks home, it's probably like that. I'm just glad I can't see what's going on here. <laughs> He walks through this big huge square and at one point actually I thought it was the Brandenburg Gate but then the Brandenburg Gate I think is in Berlin uh-huh. and this film's not set in Berlin. I think she arrives in Munich but I think the Academy's actually in somewhere else. Yep. Is it Freiburg or something? Oh, anyway, yeah. It doesn't really matter. They're know in Berlin so I don't think it's the Brandenburg Gate. That's the end of that. Fucking conversation. Um, while he's walking through the big square, his dog starts going nuts barking at something. He's all, who's there? In really badly dubbed English. Um, and then... We, I, on my first watch, I thought something flew over him. On my second watch, I think it's actually more than one thing. Yep. And... Turn, seeing how this film turns out and the kind of turn it takes in a wee while <laughs> I really hope it's not a cadre of witches or fucking broomsticks really do hope that um, anyway something or some things fly over him uh, and his dog turns and rips his throat out which was an unexpected twist yep. and that's the end of him Uh, But that's quickly followed by a very exciting scene where Susie looks really hard at her mouth in a mirror. (laughs) Then that scene ends and she goes to see Madame Blanc to ask her (laughs) what's going on. Not about her mouth or indeed about a mirror. (laughs) Just about what's been happening in the academy. (laughs) Um, She tells her... uh, what she heard the blonde girl saying on the first night and Madame Blanc's like oh I must phone the police to pass this information on eh Sarah and Susie go for a bit of a swim Sarah tells her that she was the person that the blonde girl was talking to inside the door mm-hmm. Um, she also tells her that she's all in this blonde girl's notes basically she become kind of obsessed with something that was taking notes on and she's going to show Susie them later on that night. Later on, Susie's woken up to Sarah saying that the notes have been stolen. Um, Susie's, Susie's all drunk up again, so she can't wake up properly. She's on the good uh, shit, Baz. She's on she the is. good shit. Uh, Sarah's asking if she knows anything about witches. Susie passes out. The lights all go out. Sarah's kind of terrified. Uh, she gets freaked out. There's like a kind of side door into this room, and a light comes on on the other side, or something bollocks. She realises somebody's coming in, so she fucks off. Uh, there's some scenes of her run about the house, a figure in the black capes following her. Um, she gets up into the attic where she gets slashed by a straight razor. Uh, she manages to lock the killer into a different part of the attic. Uh, then the killer's try to use this razor to lift the latch to get in. Uh, she tries to escape through a window and ends up falling into this room full of what I think is supposed to be like razor wire. It is, yeah. But it's no razor wire, it's just fucking wire, basically. Um, and then this black hand covers her mouth and her throat gets cut. And that's the end of Sarah. Um, I think that... <laughs> The bit about the scene with the wire. Yeah. Which is thrashing about in it, you can go, oh my god, that must hurt, right? Like putting aside the fact that it doesn't look like a razor wire, just you know what is razor wire in your head. Um But where I couldn't go on more bit is why does somebody have a big room full of razor wire?
0: Once again we'll 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 swing back into this, you're not gonna be happy, but we'll swing back okay. into
2: this can he wait Um, the the next morning Elsa tells Susie that Sarah's left unexpectedly during the night Uh, the young homosexual handyman backs her up Uh, so Susie then phones somebody called Frank Mandel who up till now we have never fucking heard of but apparently it's somebody that Sarah knows we find out shortly he's a psychiatrist a frankly shoddy one but we'll come on to that
0: Oh, let's not let's not dig at Udo Kier here, please.
2: Right. She goes to meet at my conference psychiatry, right? They have a bit of a chat outside. He rather nonchalantly drinks a glass of generic cola, right? Yep. He's then like, oh, Sarah was a patient of mine, right? And he then goes, yeah, she had this breakdown, and, you know what I mean? And just pisses all over every law and patient confidentiality in the world ever. do you know what I mean oh my god mate Um, he mentions that she became so while he's breaking all these laws left right centre and he tells her that she'd become obsessed with a theory that a friend had told her so this must have been Blondie oh excuse me Um, and basically this theory had been that the academy was founded by this person called Helena Marcos yes who I think was supposed to have originally been Greek or something like that. was believed to have been a witch um, called the Black Queen or something. And you get that kind of idea. He kind of describes how she was chased out of different countries and that clearly borrows from the kind of Alistair Crowley kind of mythos. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, then apparently she dies in a fire. And at that point, this academy that she'd set up, which is the one that they're in, um, and stopped kind of dabbling in the occult and focused solely on dance uh, much as I did when I moved to London to make it as a dancer in my early twenties um, he then introduced another academic who just happens to be hanging about who just happens to be a specialist in witches um, and can I give a you little...
0: a really funny story about this
2: I don't want to interrupt your flow but can I give you a
0: really funny story about this
2: if you must,
0: one that I only found out really re- recently whilst listening to a podcast, where Udo Kier actually featured on this podcast. Right,
2: if, you, if you're going to tell me this old man is actually a world recognised expert in witches, I'm going nope. to shit right, nope. Okay, like Can't the run. fact
0: you know, what I what I love about this is that like you know how you're like that like Udo Kier appears, his character has never been ma- mentioned before. He is yeah. literally here as exposition. He does like an info dump, to allow another character to do something. Um, yeah. his character didn't exist in the script at all Udo Kier's character? character didn't exist in the story at all right. um, Udo was filming something else and on his day off was invited to the set oh, well he was invited to the shoot off Suspiria and he arrived and he was shouting to Dario and Dario was like that I totally just need you in this movie and basically just wrote the part for him on the spot and they filmed it and that was it and then what was even funnier about it is not, not only did they do that, then they overdubbed him in an American voice. Because that's not what it sounds like at all. Um, but yeah, they just replaced his voice and all the rest. And just that character was invented in the spot just to be in the movie. So that, everything that you've just pointed out is 100% accurate, lads. There's like like no thought to patient confi- confidentiality or anything that is given in this because no one put any thought into this role. It's literally there as a way to like give out some lines, before the actual proper witch expert gets brought in.
2: Fuck my saint to anus. Because,
0: like, literally, like, Dario Jeter's like that. I, like, I love the look of you. I know who you are, you know, let's get you in the movie. Because yeah, you, you, are, you are authentically German, which would make sense for this German character. Let's bring you in. Now let's replace your voice with an American voice.
2: <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> love the way you're talking to me as if I know who Udo Keir is
0: Udo keir has uh, been in
2: everything man he's been in absolutely everything Blade when you say when you say everything Blade dunking, never seen Blade you've never seen Blade
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't like, hit me with it why do you sound like that it, Like if, of all the comic book movies yeah, that no. kind of crossover <laughs>
2: into this genre that's the
0: one I would have assumed you had seen
2: yeah no I think so but the thing Blade was a lot earlier than any of the other, you know, the whole Marvel Comics explosion happened about a decade after they made Blade. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't part of that at all. It was more a kind of vehicle for snipes, really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was more on the back of the success of, like, Lost Boys and kind of vampire movies at the time Bram Stoker's Dracula and things like that, eh? Rather than an actual comic adaptation, but no, I, I do take on what you're saying. But no, I've not seen any of the Blade movies.
0: He's been, he like, he's usually a bit character in a ton of movies. So you will have seen movies with Uno Kier. Um He's very, very young in this movie though, know, like super young. So I don't, you know, I don't put a past that you wouldn't know he is. But yeah, to me that's all. I only found that recently, and I was like. It's one of, those ones, one of those things where I've thought the same as you, I like that. Why is this character coming in that we've never heard of before? And it's Udo Kia and he's only in it for like less than five minutes and he's yeah, one yeah, of Yeah, yeah,
2: it's just that one scene.
0: One of the bigger names in this movie. What What's yeah. going on here? And then he was on a podcast recently and someone had said, talk to us about your involvement with Suspiria and he was just candid about it. He was like that, yeah, I went on my day off and you know, it was the first time I met Dario and I was like, you know, I really like your work and all the rest of like that, I need to have you in my movie. Um, what are you doing he's like well it's my day off he's like not anymore and then just took him out wrote the part and then put him in that was it
2: Dario Argento eh
0: what a guy, a guy. man this is why I love him <laughs> he's like that you know what this movie needs Oodle <laughs>
2: <laughs> God right come on I'm going to push through we're nearly there Donkey boy we're rock nearly there
0: rock and roll Baz you can do it
2: um, at the academy Susie decides to stop drinking wine every day um, <laughs> she also can't find anyone, and has the sheet. Possibly, if you didn't drink so much, Susie, you might be a bit more glued up. Then uh, the strange, ugly old lady tells her that everybody's gone to see the ball show. Um, so she phones the Frank guy back, but it's a bad line. Apparently, because apparently, phone performance in this building is affected by the weather. Plus, he was only on set for one day. Yeah. So. Um, she chucks out all the food because she realises she's been drugged, um, and then oh, and then this is thinking about right. So she chucks this red wine in the sink, and it wouldn't flush away. No. Nope. Fuck, only knows. It looks more like an oil-based emulsion that she's thrown in the sink. Uh, the lights go off. She, she gets attacked by a very aggressive bat. If that's a. Fucking raging bat. It is absolutely seasoned. How does she kill it, Baz? She beats it to death with a stool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's the same way my Uncle Pete went, Baz. It's the same way my Uncle Pete went.
2: I didn't have an Uncle Pete. There we go he was tangled up in a woman's hair I you know <laughs> Um she goes back to her room and there's a bit of a smoke a very beat up cigarette just um, she, she starts to think uh, about some previous conversations and she remembers Sarah's amazing technique of counting steps to find out where everybody's gone yep it's a bit of <laughs> it's a bit of a ropey mechanism it has to be said but um Using this, she starts to move through the academy kind of thing. I've not mentioned the score in this film very purposefully. I will talk about. Yeah, I it was about to say,
0: like when you were well, the but first thing when you mentioned that opening shot, you were like that. He tries an artistic shot on a, a, a on a door and that.
2: And what what's happening, Baz? was just like, let's move on. Yeah, but the the score at this point really goes off the hook in terms of volume. It's got to be said. Um, she's creeping about the through the academy, she goes past the door. And these mental maid looking women are kicking about butchering some meat with gusto, it has to be said. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ends up in Madame Blanc's office, which we've seen before. Um, and then she remembers what the blonde girl was saying on the first night. Um, and apparently it was about a bit blue iris, and she notices that there was a blue iris painted on the wall. She then turns it. And a door opens. So it wasn't an anti-iris or anything like that. It turns out it was the flower all along. <sighs> um, so she goes through this door and follows up a long corridor. Um, there's a room at the end, and everybody's gathered in there. Um, and basically, Blanc Blanc is kind of ordered everybody to make her vanish, like to kill her, kind of thing. Uh, they're performing some sort of ritual to Minerva, um, which then seems to have some kind of effect on Susie, uh, and she kind of stumbles about and then stumbles across Sarah's with lacerated body staked out on a table. Uh, big man Pablos is cutting about with that lighter fairly earlier on. Um, she escapes into this other room with a neon peacock in it. Mm-hmm which she knocks over, which wakes up somebody that's sleeping in the room. It's Helena Marcos. Uh, Susie tries to stab her with an ornamental peacock feather. Uh, She's pulled back the curtain, there's nobody there. But you can still hear her rabbiting on in the fucking third person. Um, Marcos then reanimates Sarah's corpse, which goes to attack Susie but there's a flash of lightning which illuminates Marcus's silhouette in the bed, Yeah. Susie stabs her, and she becomes visible again. She's the decaying and shit, very ugly looking. Everything in the room starts to explode. All the coven members are all dying. Uh, Susie kind of runs out the building as it starts to destroy itself. Um, and then outside in the rain, she stops running and flashes this enigmatic and weirdly out of place smile at the camera and the building just burns behind her and then we're into the credits and that's the end of it that That, my friend is Suspiria
0: yep what does it say it says you have been watching Suspiria and you're like yeah I have oh fucking yeah I have high five everyone
2: (laughs) self five
0: yep you can't, if you can't find someone to high-five you, go and find someone to high-five you. Chap a neighbour's door, flag down a car. Make them watch the speedy app. Chase someone up the street. Uh, yeah, the the um, old woman on the bed, uh, as legend would have it, uh, was played by a, a near 90-year-old ex-hooker that Dario Argento filmed on the streets of Rome and cast her in the movie, because I like to look at her.
2: Oh, my God. Why not, man? Why yeah, not? I mean, you tell me about that guy makes me hate him even more.
0: What? what that's, that's fucking for the cause, man. That's a guy that's sitting there going, I like the, I like the look of you. You are what I need for my movie. Um, so, yeah, like a couple of things I'll swing into. We'll do some listener things and then the final say... Uh, I say the final say, the second final say, because the final say yeah. would be me, obviously. Uh, but the final say, it will come back to you. So obviously, this is the first of the three mothers um, in, in the trilogy. Uh, so this is uh, Elena Marcos' Mater Superiorum, um, so mother of size, That's what she's known as. Not size as in like she's like a, a size 30 or something, as in mother of size, as in... <sighs> Oh, you know, right,
2: right, okay. Yeah, I, you. I
0: have the cold, so it may have sounded like S I Z E instead of S I G H. Uh, so, Mother of Size. Um, and Inferno, which is the second one, it's Mater Tenebranum, which we think Tenebrae, you know, that's where that uh-huh. should have swung in. That's a Mother of Darkness. And then the third one, which was from Mother of Tears, which I think is like 2006 that movie came out, is the one that I always struggle to pronounce, which is Mater Lacrimerium, uh, which is uh, Mother of Tears. Uh, so he did three. He had this idea of three. All of them come from a work by Thomas de Quincy, uh, which is the Profundo de Superiorum, I, th- I think it is. Something like that. Some fucking Latin text that Argento read Thought it was a really cool idea and then Daria and Nicolodi started adding things to it um, and that's kind of how it how it all formed most of this movie like most of the stuff we're like nah, this didn't really why is this happening it didn't really make sense there's a whole series of things in this movie which are deliberately weird and some of that that is completely accidentally weird um so this movie believe it or not was actually written for kids what like, our wanted the cast to be kids. Like, he wanted it to be... Oh,
2: right, I see like a School for Young. Yeah, that's why... Inspiring ballet dancers type thing.
0: That, when you when you look at it, if you ever look at it again, when you look at it again, there are deliberate things that give away that. Everything, everything is, like, ridiculously high ceilings. Doors are far too high. The door um, handles are at an abnormally high height for doors,
2: the, the scene where Susie escapes from the building as it's destroying itself at the end, she comes down a staircase on yep. a wall. And I remember thinking at that point, that doesn't look right at all. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's just huge, the room that she's in.
0: Yeah. Like, so it was deliberately done that way. So Argento wanted... Originally when Argento wanted to do it for kids, uh, kid actors, um, things would have been fine because kids would have been at a certain height that you could have had like, the set looking normal and things would really have looked proportionally larger because there's smaller uh-huh. people there. But as soon as he couldn't get that, he was like, fuck it, this is, you know, this is a integral part of my story. So he, he creates a world where everything, where our characters are are deliberately smaller than they should be because of everything else around them. Um, which I kind of love. The the Like, the, if, if you ever get a chance, type in to Google Suspiria Snow White and you get this, like, cross, like, you get cross sequences of, of, like, Jessica Harper looks like Snow White. And she's coloured just like Snow White. And, uh, like, you'll get all these different scenes where the colouring is, like, is exactly the same. It's Walt Disney. It's this idea of impeccably bright, beautiful, vibrant colours, which you don't get in horror movies. Like, you think about any horror movie you see now, how many of them are brightly lit uh, with vibrant colors and all that. It's the other way around. It's dingy, it's dark, it's yeah. sepia tones, it's grimy, it's sludgy. So, like, but even in the 70s, that's, you think Texas Chains are massacre. Well, this is the color scheme that you're dealing with here. And Argento's like, no, fuck it. Bright, colorful. The light doesn't make sense at all in this movie. Like, she's sitting in a taxi and we can see outside, and the streets are just normally street lit. But inside the taxi, she's got a neon purple light in her face. And then all of a sudden, it's a green light. Um, None of it makes sense in the movie. But it's not supposed to really make sense. Argento's way of lighting this fairy tale. um, And the the colours, at some points, emulate, along with the music, what's actually happening. I I know you want to talk about the score. The score is ridiculously intense. I mean, like, Ah. from the start. It's like, from the opening scene, you're, like, if you're me watching this movie like from the opening scene you're seeing this automatic door and you're like the music is fucking thunderous and you're like Uh what the fuck is up with this door like you're like literally I don't understand why we're getting this like pummeling music whilst looking at an automatic door and when it switches back to her face no music and then she looks at the door the fucking music goes off
2: again yeah Uh see this was I've got to say my in terms of the score my initial feelings were like why the fuck does everybody love this score so much? Right. What? Yeah, I, I don't like the score in the movie. I just don't. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's too jarring and and too loud. And the the whole, you know how was, the, the, the scene cuts to a different shot and the music stops. Yep. I understand that that's a technique that he has used. Do you know what I mean? It's been done very purposefully. It just drove me mental. It drove me absolutely demented. Um, and on top of that, I just don't really dig that gobble, to be honest. Alright. Oh, Do you know what I mean? I just didn't particularly like the music. Yeah, I kind of thought it went with the film and that, but I still didn't like it. Do you know what I mean? Um... But the techniques that he used with it in particular blah, like that, oh my god, would you stop that? Um, I get that's probably the point, is to unsettle you and to, you know, put you off kilter so that the film has more, more of an effect on you. Yeah. But it just pissed me off. I mean,
0: to me, the way I've always described Suspiria is there was a reason I, I specifically made points before you watched it. Is to me Suspiria is a roller coaster. That's exactly what It's it's designed that way. It's designed like a like a ghost house at an amusement park, and the score fits in with that. You know what I mean? That you like you're accosted with it out of nowhere, unsettles you. You're not quite sure why, um, and you might get a scare that kind of justifies that increase in music, and you might not because it's used as a technique in the movie. Um, like the scene you were talking about, why is there a room with razor wire? Why is there not a room
2: with razor wire?
0: I mean, like this is literally people
2: don't have rooms full of razor wire.
0: This is totally. If
2: they do, they would be in proper bales.
0: Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but you're dealing with witchcraft, so this razor wire might not be there at all. What? Like everything? Like you've you've seen reanimated corpses. Right, so someone's brought someone back from the dead, and a woman can make herself invisible. Right? Uh huh. So that razor wire just might be a manifestation of something. It might not be there. Like this, what I'm saying: like you cannot look at the movie literally. You can't do it because if you start doing it, you you negate the enjoyment of a movie, which is just a, It's an attack on the senses, and it follows. This is what I've always like. Dream logic is a big thing when we eat movies. And no one quite does it like Argento. Like to me, like if I have a bad dream or even if I have a good dream, dreams never really make sense for me, like ever.
2: No, but, I, I'm the same. I, I'm absolutely the same. And I'm you can never open a dream that was just straightforward.
0: Yeah, you you can open a door into your house and then walking in, and it's not your house. It's fucking yes. somewhere
2: else. Like, like the, but you you still in the dream regard it as your house. Yeah, you know, it's not your house. Yeah. So
0: to me, like with with the the. The way this movie plays out with these twists and turns and sharp things, which are very nightmarish, um, the fact that she would crawl into what should just be an ordinary room and it's a room filled with razor wire, just adds to that level of you know nightmare. It's like it's, it's a it's an encapsulated nightmare. The reason she's so relieved when she comes out the end is because the audience should be relieved when they come out the end. Because when you finish a horror movie, you should like uh, um, Mario Bava, who Dario Argento studied under, uh, was this firm believer of when you finish watching a horror movie, you should remember that it is only a horror movie, and you, it shouldn't haunt you, and it shouldn't terrify you, yeah. and it shouldn't stay with you beyond the point. And as a result, he would always throw something funny in it at the end of these movies, like very much that way inclined because of the old school mentality of it. Um, there's a there's a a very good reason why that movie finishes with her walking out with a smile on her face, and it emblazoned on the screen. You have been watching Suspiria. It's the way where you like you have you have you've been through the Tower of Terror. You know what I mean? Like you like you've experienced the Nemesis, all these sort of things. It's that idea of the the roller coaster. It's that idea of an experience. You've you've survived the experience of Suspiria, as opposed to you know, you've know, you just watched a movie. And that I keep coming back to that. And that, to me, is where the genius in the movie is. And that's where the feeling for a lot of people is where the movie is. is because if you're settling down just to watch a horror movie, I think you need to be in the right frame of mind to sit down. And, and even then, I can't guarantee you'll like Suspiria. But you need to be in that, that mood. There had been absolutely fucking... Nothing like Suspiria when it came out. Like, absolutely nothing. Uh-huh. No one had seen uh-huh. anything like this. Because people, like, the closest thing that was to it was something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, in that, to me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, I've told you, I think it's a, a, a masterpiece, but it's a masterpiece of psychosis. Yeah. You know, where it's like, you look really from the moment you get into that house and Leatherface hits that person on the head, you're like, what the fuck am I watching? And from uh-huh. there, it just gets progressively grimmer and darker and more twisted and more sadistic. And it's all technique. It's all, very little is done with, with blood effects or right, anything. It's all technique and camera angles and all the rest. And Argento uses a lot of the same, but he just puts this European flair on it where, yeah, there's a lot more blood in this movie, but it's like, what the fuck? You know, what what's going on? And like, you say you, the story isn't difficult to understand. You know, it's this witch. yeah. Who's who like this? This witch who set up a coven in Germany, and uh, every time someone starts to get a bit too close to like working out the the dealings in the background, they're bumped off yeah. using witchcraft. I mean, you were talking about the things flying over overhead. You were like, "That that better not be witches." It's never explained. Doesn't have to be explained. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's I think it's a cool camera angle, and Argento's was great at that. Um. Let me just let me, let me just ping out some of these. These final statements, Baz, and then, like I say, I want to swing it to you because yeah. I, I I feel we could go one of many, many different ways in on this one. And this could this could get really interesting really quick. Uh, right, so, uh, jumping back to our listener comments, we can see. I'm not reading Scott's one. So Scott's one is just basically a picture of Suspiria that says, I have no idea, but I soon will arrive this morning. It's not what I asked for, Scott. <laughs> no,
1: uh,
0: right we will switch to Mike Patterson who says this is when Dario Argento says fuck 11 I'm taking this to 12 5 out of 5 uh, Gary Hill says one of the best games of Clue ever committed to film but just ok very beautiful film but i think Baz is going to think it's pish 2 out of 5 Rob Alvarez says Suspiria has a fever dream of horrific sights and soundscapes the movie grips and throttles you 5 out of 5 Mark Lockhart says, one of the most original movies ever created. A captivating and truly electric movie from the moment she touches down. Five out of five. Dino says, a cinematic lighting masterclass. Four out of five. Uh, Michael McCloskey says, almost makes up for the rest of Italy's pish. Five out of five. I get the feeling he's <laughs> playing at you here. Uh, our buddy Kieran says, uh, a neon dream that's made of cream. <laughs> a true one-off 5 out of 5 uh, Ryan D. Nicklow says a perfectly coordinated shock and awe assault on the senses 5 out of 5 Kate says an absolute takeover of everything rational completely spellbinding no pun intended and surreal a classic for good reason at 5 out of 5 and finally George Cook says audio visual truth makes no sense but don't worry about it 4 out of 5 Baz what did you make of Suspiria?
2: Um, <sighs> I didn't hate Suspiria. Um, right. I know you're probably going to argue that it's not a Jallo film, right? Uh, it's not, but I, I, yeah, we'll
0: get into it. We'll get into it.
2: But you know, in my kind of beginner's view of it. it I kind of lump it in with those Jallo films. And it is by far the best one of them that I've seen. Possibly because it, it's, you know, there, there's a supernatural element and all that, which, to the best of my knowledge, doesn't appear in the Jallo film.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the likes of Torso and Tenebrae, Blood and Black Lace, and, and films like that. Uh huh. Um, of the things that I didn't like about it, it's the same stuff that I didn't like in those films. Do you know what I mean? The, the acting's not amazing. Uh, the dubbing is terrible. Um, yeah, the kind of absurdity of it at points, I'm okay with. I can kind of get on board with that, you know, like these scenes that don't mean anything or don't go anywhere else. I used to hate stuff like that. I'm not completely averse to it now. Um, like I did, I found I found the score very jarring, mm-hmm. um, to the point that I found it kind of off-putting. Um, I don't really know what more to say about it. it. It's a, it's definitely an interesting film. I could see how students of film could sit and bore everybody to tears for hours <laughs> on the end about this movie. Do you know what I mean? Um, I can see how, you know, more amateur film fans like yourself, you're heavy into film, you don't, you don't claim to be a professional. Not a professional. And, and you know, um, I can see why there's lots of stuff that, like, I don't think that way about movies. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? I'm not into them to the extent that you are. So, stuff like that is kind of not wasted on me, but it doesn't pump my nads, for want of a better term, in the way that it does yours. Um, And you know what? And that's that's okay. I could could not think of another analogy there at all for the life of me. (laughs) <laughs> um,
1: oh, I wasn't ready for that oh,
2: <laughs> um, oh. yeah you know there's a lot of the oh. techniques and stuff that was used there kind of only flicker past on the kind of periphery of my vision for want of a better kind of term um, you know I, I, I'm I kind of aware that there's cool stuff going on in terms of shots and, and different expositions and stuff like that are used in it but that I don't really pick up on them to any great extent. Um, Uh It's more kind of portraying my reaction to it, and you know, like I'm saying, a lot of certainly the soundscape is done to make you feel very uncomfortable and very off-kilter and kind of on edge, and it had that effect on me. I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, Um, And I... I couldn't kind of disassociate myself enough to go like that. That was very well done how it did that to me. I, I I was just left with enough "fuck you, man!" I can't believe you made me feel like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's clearly a lot of clever stuff going on. I have more like, respect, I think, for Dario Argento after this movie than I did after *Some Like Tenebrae. Yeah. Um. Just because I could. I can understand how true students a film would really get off on this. Um, I wouldn't go as so far as to say it's art house, but I would kind of class it in the same camp. It's not a straightforward watch, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it, it, but,
0: I, I, I don't think you're far off at seeing art house because I I consider it an art house horror movie. Really,
2: so. Yeah, I don't hate the film. Um, I will probably watch it again at some point, kind of much further down the line. Um, kind of interested to see where the I don't know anything about the remake, I know some folk are starting to talk about it, including Scott from Scott and Liam, who's not actually seen the original, yep. uh, but he actually spoke quite knowingly about the trailer that he'd seen for the Yeah, it looks week. amazing looks amazing. Uh, yeah, and I think he was quite keen to actually see this before he went to see the the, the remake I, oh, I don't know if I could do two and a half hours of it right enough but I'd, I'd probably, I'd, I don't see me maybe rushing it to the cinema to see the remake, but I do see me maybe picking it up on Shudder or Netflix or something like that, if it appears on it, you know, yep. um, and giving it a watch. And like I say, I'm, I I, mean, I can see myself returning to Suspiria at a later date, you know, probably getting out of curiosity. But then I have said that about to as well, I think I should revisit it. Um, I think the saving grace for me was the kind of supernatural element to the the witchcraft stuff That kind of Struck a wee Nerve for me That I quite liked You know The, the kind of cover here And stuff like that yeah. I thought that was Kind of cool um, Whereas I, I, Out of all the other Italian stuff That we've done I, I've never got that from it You know There was nothing In Tenebrae That kind of Hooked my interest um, The same with Torso and the likes So yeah that uh, That's where I stand On Suspiria there we go um, I,
0: I, just a couple of things and then we'll we'll, uh, we'll ping you for a grade uh, yeah so like I, I, I there are plenty of people out there that would argue this movie is a giallo I would say it isn't a giallo the reason it isn't a giallo is that it has supernatural elements which if you're being if you're being straight and true uh, that ultimately disqualifies it from because giallo should be kind of based in you know, real the life mystery real, type thing yeah, yeah real life real killer sort of thing so that kind of uh, you know discounts it however like I said before that's our uh, general just basically took the giallo formula here and add some supernatural things on it I mean this still follows a lot of the beats of what makes a you know a giallo movie it's you know mostly a third person killer uh, death by a street razor uh, our character is a foreign person it comes to a country who overhears something that they can't quite piece together until the end of the mystery where, you know, they, they manage to if you watch all of Argento's movies up to this point, that's the formula uh-huh. so, um, he even takes, like, where, where uh, and as a scene we glossed over and it's one of my favourite fucking scenes in horror history uh, is where we, we get the, the character who's reanimated who bursts through the door just wide-eyed and fucking face-scarred with a a knife in her hand, just walking like the Walking Dead, maniacally laughing, when the music and everything cuts out, and you just got her like this, and it's just fucking weird. And it comes at a left field, and it's like, what the fuck am I watching? And he had literally done a scene very, very similar two years before in Deep Red, where out of nowhere, this puppet doll just bursts at the side of a wall and comes straight towards the... K- so he's using techniques again and again, and that's kind of what Argento's known for. It's just he plays with ideas he's already done, just adds or subtracts or revamps or gender swaps or whatever he does, but he's always kinda, he always kind of has a, a good grip on a story that he likes, and it's just flavours of the same story all the way through <coughs> his career. And Suspiria is just that... Um, the one that kind of breaks them all, if you like, there's a, there is a story here you can pin your hat on. When you watch Inferno, which is the second one. It is all visuals, and the story right. is next to not there at all. And I love Inferno. Inferno is one of the most beautiful films I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. And there's a couple of set pieces in that that blow my mind. Like I don't know how you did that. Um, but the story's almost non-existent. And it's the same idea, dream logic. I think there is a scene where a character opens a door and walks in and it's not even a place that makes sense. Um, and he, he, he plays with that. And he, he does that in this. I think he does a really good job of it. Like I say, I know... Like, the, the universal response from listeners is high, high acclaim on this one, right? I know plenty of people that don't like Suspiria. Like, just uh. don't like it at all. Just don't get it. Just don't understand. And it mostly comes down to, weirdly enough, when you, when you cut through it, they enjoy the movie. They just don't understand the hype, and I, I, I'm always annoyed by that statement. That's a, that's a, a trigger to me. It's like a red flag to a bull um, when someone says, "I don't understand the hype." And I went, "If you walked in watching that movie thinking this was the greatest fucking movie ever made, then that's on your head." that's Uh not in the movie's head, the movie is what it is it's not trying to be any different than what it is and it's not trying to make you think that other people may tell you it's the best movie I think it's in my top five of all time Um, but that doesn't mean I think it's in the top five for you or top five for anyone else it's just my opinion and if you walk in with that I think you put unfair amounts of stress on the movie to deliver that Um, it's like when you see these things on posters now that say the scariest horror film of the last decade and then people come out and go I had one jump scare and the rest was pish well was the rest pish well no the acting was good the story was pretty good it wasn't very scary though I got told it was the scariest movie ever well who told you that oh well the poster told me that and you believed the poster you know what I mean it comes back to you it's your fault that you you didn't you know it, it didn't connect with you ultimately the movie is what the movie is uh, if it doesn't connect with you, that's your fault, um, and that's that's just the it's the cold hard facts. But the fact that you watched it and you're like that, actually, I I can I recognise all these things that are in this movie. But to be honest with you, that's not what I am looking for in a movie. Yes, uh-huh. that to me is perfect. That to me is how you uh, critique a movie. That's how you're supposed to critique a movie. It's like that. I totally understand everything that they're trying to do in this movie or what they are doing in this movie but it doesn't one cater with my taste and two it doesn't really do anything for me. Um and that's that you're know, like that's that's how I think all movies should be viewed, good or bad. It should be viewed at that point. Um I think it's like I've said before I, I genuinely think it is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Um and I can almost from 77 I can chart its influence through Almost, almost all the big films. Uh, most recently, I mean, we were talking about the Suspiria remake, which people were up in arms about. And from the moment it was announced, I was like that, give me it, because no one will do the Argento movie. There's a reason the new one's two and a half hours long, and that's because they put narrative in it. Ah. They put an actual fucking story in it. There's no way anyone's doing it. doesn't have the same colour scheme. They went with Tom York to do the soundtrack. track. Um, So, you know, they've went in a completely different direction with it. And that's how you remake Suspiria, because you don't try and do this, because no one can do this. Argento's the only one that can do this. And the closest that anyone's ever come to this is Neon Demon, which is essentially a remake of Suspiria, but done in the modelling industry. It's why I love it so much. Um, Baz, my friend, we have done Netflix grades all the way through. They have been up, they have been down. We have had thus far two out of five for people under the stairs. Two point five for poltergeist. We had a four or was it a three point I think was three point five or four?
2: Three point five it was.
0: Three point five for Henry Portrait of a serial killer. we dropped back down to was it two? <laughs> two point five, should have done my research here for Salem's lot the final grade for the final movie what are you giving us? Suspiria
2: uh, I am going to give Suspiria a 3. Boom! because to be honest I I liked it more than I thought I was going to like it um, and I'm going to cut it a bit of slack um, because yeah it, it's a film from a genre and a style of film that I don't like Yeah, and get what I did out of the movie I've got to give it a wee tip of the hat and I'm cutting it a bit slack and I'm going to give it a 3
0: nice Oh, you know how happy that makes me feel that we <laughs> have went through all those movies and your second favourite of all your selections was Suspiria Oh, I feel relieved I feel relieved and for all those that thought Baz would just pissing up from a great height suck my hairy clangers in the immortal <laughs> words of the Baz right we're going to take our final break now ladies and gents. I know sometimes people don't stick around for the end I occasionally get told that some people miss things at the end because they fast forward or they jump out here all I'm going to say is please stick around to the end of this one there is important news coming um, and uh, yeah we're going to get into it in a couple of minutes Uh, But we're going to jump out for our final break and we're back to close out the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been... 2018 episode number five, the conclusion of the series looking at Suspiria from 1977. That's right, got the right fucking year. Yay, me! It's almost as if I've had a podcast for many, many years. Um, Baz, we have now experienced five weeks of terror. Um, I'd use terror in quotation marks, realise that once again, it's an audio podcast and people can't see it, but when you uh, listen back to this bit, and I encourage you to do that skip button back 15 seconds, imagine quotation marks around terror, Um, yep, so we have survived it, we've come out the other end, Um, I have fucking loved this, I will say this about this particular one, of all the Baz, the Halloweens we did... Where we covered God knows how many movies that had various success in the thrill or kill or spill or, like, just shit on from a great height. Sure. Uh, movies that we covered in that series. My favourite run over Halloween has been this one because I feel like we did movies where we knew going in straight away we were on a, a good footing. We were good directors, good budgets, uh, good stories and um, I run at it. I need to ask you, did you enjoy yourself?
2: Yeah, very much so, Duncan. Very much so. Um, as you say, it was a very different experience this year round. Um, I always really loved Baz V Halloween. Last year was good fun, but we just weren't in the, the ballpark that we'd been in previously. Yeah. Um, and I think we managed to kind of reinvent it this time round. Um And yeah, I've I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it, I've got to say. Nice,
0: nice, nice. So, um, hopefully you played along with us. Hopefully you checked out all five of those movies as well. I want to thank every single person out there that submitted a one-liner. You know who you are and you're all fucking awesome. Um, some of the people have been watching movies for the first time thank you for posting them on the page and I also want to extend a thank you to everyone that has followed through with their 31 of October the Facebook group page has been absolutely banging this month and I've loved seeing it all Um, in terms of podcast output uh, you're getting one basically almost every single day this week and I'm apologising up front for that Uh, they will all be shorter than this so have no fear Um, Tomorrow we will be dropping my next installment on my 31 of October Covering movies number 22 through 28 Um, On Wednesday you get a very special Halloween episode Where I'm doing something completely different you've never heard me do before And it may die on its own perch um, Because I am my eternal critic uh, And I will hate myself if it doesn't turn out how it is in my head Uh, And then on Thursday you get the review that you've all been waiting for The Halloween Reboot, refranchise, remake thing um, From 2018 Myself and Andy Blockley discuss that movie And then on Friday You get the closeout of the 31 of October You're going to get me discussing movies Number 29 through to 31 Closing out the month Saturday you get a wee rest And then on Sunday it's the 88 Films Italian Collection Series Where Duncan will be looking at another giallo And Baz won't be there to shit all over it Which is a little shame Now that I have got that out of the way, I just want to say um, that I'm going to turn the floor over uh, to this man here, um, who has an announcement to make on Podcast Under the
2: Stairs. Baz, the floor is yours. Yeah, thanks for that, Dunk. Um, Yeah, a bit of an announcement, folks. Um, Don't know, one that I wasn't sure I'd ever make, to be quite honest. Um, Tonight's review... Suspiria is, uh, is the last review that I'm going to be doing on the show. Uh, I am finishing up at the end of Bazelween. Uh and calling it quits um, on my five years on the podcast Under the Stairs. Um, there's much like our departure from Legion um, earlier on in the year, there's no drama behind this at all. Um, and it probably won't become as much of a surprise to some people, (laughs) certainly the ones with kids Um, I started doing this five years ago Um, me and my wife had just got married Um, it was great, I had all the time in the world Um, Matthew came along two years ago and things got a bit harder and I didn't do quite as many shows last year after that Um, and then when little Lewis came along this year um, things just changed all together, um, trying to find the time um, and the energy to put into doing the shows is—it's just not there <laughs> anymore, to be honest. Um, Duncan will back me up on this. You know the amount of times I'm having three attempts to get through a film uh, and, and stuff like that is quite common now, um, because you know we, we don't sleep a lot at night, and you sit down, and you start to get into a movie, your body starts to relax, and before I know it. I've nodded off, Um, and I just, when we came back, I had my my bit of a break when he was born, and we came back and we did wrong turn, and I noticed then I just wasn't feeling the same about the whole thing, Um, there was an element of, oh God, I need to get these films done, and I didn't ever want to feel like that about the show, you know, the show was something I did because I enjoyed it, and I'm not saying I don't still enjoy doing the show, I do, I really love it, but I've just had to come to the the acceptance that I've just, I've not got the time um, and the resources at the moment to to give it. And I kind of feel um, with some of my shows that I'm kind of half arsed and I never, ever wanted to do that. And it's kind of coincided with Duncan's (laughs) peak performance in terms (laughs) of productivity. He's putting out more shows than he ever has at higher quality than he's ever had. And I just feel like mine the quality of my stuff is is, is just dipping, um, and I don't want it to be that, um, I don't want to be remembered for that kind of thing um, I was always very proud of the shows we did together um, and, you know I I think the the listener stats always stood stood up to that, you know, the the Basby Horror stuff tended to be the amongst the big hitters Mm -hmm. of the shows that went out over the course of the year um, I'm I'm very sad to be leaving the show um, but it's not something that's been done on a whim um, I, I think really when I sat down to start the Bazoween stuff, I sat down about two months ago and I didn't get it started until about a month later um, and I kind of knew then and I spoke to Duncan about it um, and we didn't want to ruin Bazoween, we were both looking forward to doing it and I'd made commitments for certain shows so we wanted to get them done and we wanted to get them done well and not to you know, have everybody think that it doesn't really matter because he's not going to be doing them anymore Um, which is why we've waited now to make the announcement Um, so like I say, I'm very sad to be going Um, I will still be around in the Facebook group because I'm a horror movie fan these days Um, and I still love the show and love listening to the show Um, so I'll still be about chatting and probably taking the piss out of Duncan here, there and everywhere um, I just won't be on the show anymore, we have, we're have we going to do one more show together, um, it's coming up for November which is traditionally when we do my buzz a show um, and that seems a kind of fitting place just to finish up um, and maybe look back over the past five years um, what, <laughs> the night I did sit down to have this conversation with Duncan was when you say, you know, do you know what, actually it's been five years, yeah. <laughs> and this was a stupid, off the cuff remark I made to Duncan five years ago about, I think it might be quite, I wouldn't mind coming on the show and be doing a horror movie, you know in um, five years down the line, I couldn't even tell you how many films i have done there. I lost track a long long time ago or how many episodes I've been on um, so I, I feel I've put my shift in for the podcast Under the Stairs, and as I say, I remain a fan and I will still be in the Facebook group Chatting away and stuff, but um, my recording days are are coming to an end, um, and it's been a blast. But it's uh, it's time to hang up the mic, um, and that's about all I have to say. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll 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 get more into it in the the bazaar episode, but it, it needs surprise no one when I say that, and I've said it to you before. I think you are genuinely. The single most entertaining person doing a horror podcast, <laughs> like ever. I, I genuinely <laughs> do. It. You, I, it's always a pleasure recording with you. I have never laughed as much with anyone else in the presence of anyone else. Just talking about movies. Um, I think you've always put a unique spin. Your your way of just cutting through the bullshit of movies and just saying, why the fuck are we doing? Why is this guy doing this? why is this scene like this, this makes no sense um, has left me dumbfounded uh, disheartened but always fucking entertained and with a smile on my face um, and I don't think anyone and I, I'm not saying this because it's my show and all the rest I genuinely don't think there's another podcaster out there that that doesn't like you um, and you will be greatly, greatly, greatly missed but um, with everything that you've said and I'm just going to piggyback on that I have always been, and you can attest to this, I've always been of the opinion that it's why I don't patreon the show, it's why I don't charge for anything. This is here for entertainment, for your entertainment, but also for ours. And as soon as it starts to feel like work, or as soon as you are stressing about what you have to do or what you can do, um I'd much rather we weren't doing it or you weren't doing it, or I you know if I was in that position I wouldn't be doing the show anymore. Because it's about having yeah. fun. And if people enjoy it, that's fucking great. And you the the fact that you managed to come back after the second kid being born surprised the fuck out of me because I genuinely thought that was gonna be the end of it. Um and to come back and slog your way through wrong turn, one of the worst franchises <laughs> we've ever watched ever. Um and I, I once again I, I kinda I, I lean into of all the series that we've done and some of them have been, yeah, very, very funnier than, you know, than than I can verbalise. The most fun I've had running through movies has been these last five weeks. I, 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 mm-hmm.
1: It's
0: just funny hearing you chat about movies that everyone knows. And, and like, really, this is where I, I feel like the culmination of five years' work has all set in. The way you describe things, the way you talk about things. You recently, in one of our chats... Our hidden chats with the Scott Liam boys—you um, fucking reference Stuart Gordon as an insult to someone—and I was like that. It's <laughs> like a tear in my eye, wiping it away. Going, he really is. He's my wee boy's growing up. Uh, yeah, five years is Herculean and its presence in podcasting. We started in the in the shadow of a lot of podcasts which no longer exist, and many podcasts have come up whilst we've been on there and just disappeared in that time and to have seven years consistency um, and output and all the rest is phenomenal I cannot thank you enough we will be back in November at some point I would reckon probably towards the end um, to wrap up your Basaversa which will be your official five years on the show and uh, yeah we'll have fun with it Um, and yeah thanks for the kind things you said about me but like I say cannot stress enough it has been that it's been the best of times, not the worst of times, Baz, and I, unlike everyone out there, uh, do not have the, you know, the, when you're still going to be on Facebook and stuff like that, you live five minutes from my door, so, I, I mean, I, yeah. I, the Baz is on my doorstep, so uh, we'll still hang out and all the rest, so, yeah, um, I can, a slightly sombre note, but I think at the same time, something we can all take a bit of pride in uh, is the fact that, you know, you you've been here. You've done that. You've done your shift, so to speak. And there is hours, hours and hours of back episodes that, if you're just a new listener, there's plenty you can go back and listen to. More than more than a couple of weeks worth of entertainment out there. And uh, yeah, I would implore everyone that it's feeling a wee bit weepy right now. Um, remember, that it's all there. That's the beauty of a, uh, having an audio show that's online as you can relive those moments over and over again Um, yeah uh, it's going to be a sad one but um, I understand why you're doing it and 100% support it 100% thanks man appreciate that Um, Baz I think this is the point Uh, whilst people have tears in their eyes and we have lumps in our trousers um, because I get off on people crying I don't know why <laughs> like, right, Udo do was my psychologist he was only paid for a day and gave my information away to someone else um, so so with that in mind for the the last time on Bazawin and the second last time on Podcast Under the Stairs would you like to say goodbye to the listeners please
2: yeah, I certainly will listeners Um I don't. I can't really follow up, but I've just had to say um, thanks for tuning in, folks thanks for giving Bazoween the support that you have this year um, there have been some huge download numbers in these shows and, and we've really enjoyed doing them, and, and the folk that have fed back seem to have enjoyed what we've done so thanks for that Um I say, I will be back in November for my final Baziversary uh, show um, I look forward to Chatting with Duncan then and, uh, and saying my goodbyes proper folks uh, And until then Take it easy And I will speak to you all soon
0: Right And from myself Wherever you are Whatever you're up to And whatever the time zone is In this big bad world of ours As um, big and bad Almost as bad as the bars Please take care of yourselves Out there This is Duncan McLeish Broadcasting live From under the stairs And I Am signing off <laughs>
1: Because you're mine, stop the things you do.